This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. Broadcasting from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. I'm Barbara Ramirez. And I'm Ariana Cordova. This evening, we bring you a very special edition of Generation Justice. We feature one of Burke's brightest poetic lights, 17-year-old Sarita Sor Gonzalez, also known as La Burkenita, a Chicana, poeta, feminista born and raised in Albuquerque. Since our conversation with La Burkenita, she has been diagnosed with pheochromocytoma, a rare condition that requires an extended amount of time in the hospital and surgery. So you will also hear of our community's effort to bring love and support to Sarita and her family in this time. And as we honor Women's History Month, we speak with UNM Women's Research Center's Interim Director, Anya McCarthy, and Program Specialist, Caitlin Henke, who will share essential resources available for women in our community. Sarita Sol Gonzalez, also known as La Burkenita, is a 17-year-old performer born and raised in Albuquerque, who currently attends New Mexico School for the Arts. La Burkenita has been published in various poetry anthologies. Sarita was a featured speaker at Albuquerque TEDx Youth 2015 and a featured performer at TEDx Albuquerque Main Event 2018. She also manages and hosts Women of Color Open Mic at El Chante Casa de Cultura a monthly poetry open mic in feature with the priority on women of color voices. Now we bring you a very special interview with the great Chicana poeta Sarita Sol Gonzalez, La Burkenita, conducted by 15-year-old DJ member Saviana Moya. This is Saviana Moya with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Sarita Sol Gonzalez, also known as La Burkenita, performance poet from Albuquerque. Sarita currently manages and hosts Women of Color Open Mic at El Chante Casa de Cultura. Welcome to Generation Justice, Sarita. Please tell us more about yourself. Well, as you said, I'm a Chicana feminista poeta, uh, born and raised right here in Burke. Uh, I just turned 17 three weeks ago, which is weird that I'm that close to um, legal adulthood. But um, I just, I love working in the community and I don't know, just trying to get through my last two years of high school and figuring out where I wanna go for college. I'm also a Chicana, also raised in Burke, so we have that in common. Um, so who inspired you to become a poet? Um, I think my first big inspiration was my father, um, Manuel Gonzalez, who was our third Albuquerque Poet Laureate. Um, my dad's done poetry since way before I was born. And so I was kind of thrown into the community when I grew up and just the incredible Albuquerque poetry community like Mercedes Holtry and Jessica Hall Lopez and Eva Crispin, just there's some incredible poets in our community that have, I've grown up with as not only family, but mentors. And I'm so honored to have them as 
people I can learn from. Yeah, that's amazing. Albuquerque is definitely a great place. It's a tight-knit community, lots of amazing people here. Um, so did you want to share some of your poetry with us? Um, sure. I think I'll just go with this to start off with. It's a more, it's an older piece of mine, but it explains who I am as a person. The title of this piece is Ivory 505. When I walk down the drugstore makeup aisle, I look for cover girl, clean matte pressed powder, shade, Ivory 505. The lightest shade they make. My grandmother looks for classic tan 450, a sun-kissed golden tone. My mom looks for buff beige 125, a warm peach tone. Yet I am still the most huera with ivory 505. Since I was little, mi familia has called me huerita. Little girl with golden curls, hazel eyes, and light skin. It's meant to be a term of endearment, but some of us hueras are starting to gain a complex, feeling like an outcast with my own gente, stumbling over my tongue just to talk with my abuelita, constantly having my authenticity questioned, trying to prove that I am just as Chicana as they come. I was born and raised in the 505, a place where my community thrives, lives, and loves. A place where the Sandia mountains rise out of the ground to reach up to grab our Zia sun. The 505, where white sand dunes glitter and shimmer like snow in the moonlight, lighter than the sand on the banks of El Bosque, but it is still New Mexico tierra. Just like the dark brown sand from Santuario de Chimayo that heals and protects my soul. The 505, where the powerful current of the Rio Grande flows through and heals my heart. She sings to me. I know all of her songs, holding my culture close. With every step I make, I am dancing to a cumbia. With every breath, I take is a prayer to the Virgen. With every word I say has a hint of Spanglish. My heart tries to sing boleros at midnight. My ears are always listening for chisme. I could take caria from mi familia. And yet to some, I am still not Chicana enough. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like Abraham Quintanilla we have to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans, both at the same time. It's exhausting. I'm tired of running this marathon. I am tired of jumping through hoops. I am tired of trying to fit into your mold. My Spanish will always be on the pocho side. My tortillas will never be perfectly round. My looks will never be of that perfectly beautiful Aztec princess. But my love, mi cultura, will never fade. And this Chicana still carries her ivory 505 compact in her back pocket. That's a very beautiful poem, Sarita. 
and you painted a beautiful picture of Albuquerque, like your the Sandias rise up to grab the Zia sun, all of those amazing figurative languages, very, very touching. And I can also relate to you on that, not being Chicana enough or trying to prove your heritage to people who don't necessarily understand. Also being on the lighter side, I understand the Werita, the, you know, the nicknames and stuff like that. So what influences your poetry? Like, are there any main influences? The state of New Mexico is one of my greatest influences. There's just so much beauty in our state. And it's something that you can't quite explain to people in any other way other than metaphor. Our lives are so deeply filled with magical realism. How during sunset, our mountains turn bright pink. And like, there's so much beauty and magic here. Even when I've been to other places, I've never felt it the same way. It's just embedded in the tierra. It's in the land. In it's sacred. And it's something that's always been here and will continue to be here after we're gone. Because the beauty of our people and our mountains and our land is something that means so much that it needs to be expressed. Yes, I 100% agree. I mean, it lives up to its name, the land of enchantment. There's so much magic and so much like such a homey feel here like such a beautiful community so you currently manage and host the women of color open mic at El Chante Casa de Cultura so do you want to tell us more about that and what that experience has been for you um sure I've been hosting it for a few years now and um we have been on a break recently due to COVID uh, we did do a few shows over zoom um, though we are hoping to open it back up this summer. Um, but at least for me, it's been one of the biggest growing experiences and challenges that I've had to take on. Um, learning how to schedule different artists and um, not only that, but work with the funding and just really working in the community as an event coordinator has been a lot of work. And so I've had to, um, I have gotten help from, of course, my family and uh, the community at large to help me figure out, because of course I am on the younger side, but it's been an incredible learning experience and being able to work with so many incredible artists and poets has just been amazing. Yeah, those are amazing skills. So it's amazing that you're getting the opportunity at such a young age and you're learning how to, you know, do all this community organizing so young. I kind of admire you in that way. I hope to be doing the same thing you're doing. So do you have any specific poems about maybe being a woman of color or like women empowerment? This piece I recited um, at uh, 
um, the most recent women's rally. And uh, the title of this piece is Voice. We weren't seen as enough. The world we lived in didn't see us as more than machines to pump out men. Each daughter, a maid. Each woman, a wife. We were never willingly given the right to vote. And those who held more melanin on their wrists had to work twice as hard than their sisters of fairer complexions. We thought we had won the battle when we heard the celebration, but we quickly realized this victory was not for us all. Women of color still had to endure 42 more years of being silenced, holding our heads high and keeping our words aloud to let our voices be heard, to let it reverberate in their head like the call of the drum at the balls of our feet. They say the fight ended in 1920. It is 2022 and the fight is not over for a century, we have fought for respect, striving to survive in a world made for men. We still fight for equal pay. We still fight for our own personal autonomy. We still fight for equality. We still fight for our voices to be heard. We still fight. Thank you, Sadi. That, that was very beautiful. And I resonate a lot with that in the still kind of fighting part. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was very beautiful. And your delivery is so amazing. It really kind of make like makes me resonate with the words. So do you have a message to New Mexican youth? I'd say. Be who you are. Don't let anyone tell you who you have to be. And trust me, I understand that being the person that you are can be terrifying and it can be difficult. And whether you're a person of color or queer or even just trying to figure out who you are just as a person, once you find that hold on to that tight because people are always going to try and change you or use pieces of who you are for their own benefit learn who you are and protect that keep that strength and use that strength for empathy because if you understand and trust who you are, you can learn to understand and trust other people. And I feel like understanding yourself, understanding others, and finding a way to express both is how we can truly heal ourselves as well as our entire community. Thank you. That's a very powerful message. And yeah, I think kind of knowing who you are and embracing yourself is very important. Um, so do you have any more poetry that you would like to share with us? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, 
The title of this piece is 1939. I remember the first time I saw you. It was in a jazz club in Paris, France. I wore a brown suit and suspenders to draw less attention. It took me just a bit too long to sit down my cane, just barely holding my weight. The pain was almost unbearable. As the room went dark, the pain faded away for once. The stage was lit up before me. You stood there in a banana skirt, no top, breathtaking, with a sway of your hips and a shine of your smile. You effortlessly enthralled the audience as you flowed and skipped across the stage. You puckered your lips, crossed your eyes, and pressed in your dimples to laugh with us. You looked so joyful and free, a mix of childlike glee and undeniable beauty. And then you sang soft enough to make me lean in. It was the bird song in the dead of night, breaking me out of this trance. Your voice was warm and sweet. And then you were gone. Just as swift as you had appeared, it felt like ages to snap me out of this daze. And once I did, I realized that I hadn't touched my tequila con limon. I couldn't get you off of my mind. Your voice and movement felt like a gift made only for me. You emerged from the stage door and all I wanted to do was talk to you. Your voice felt so much stronger when in conversation. You asked me about my cane, my life, and who I truly was. I finally understood our connection when you told me about your pain, your loss, about Harlem, and why you danced. We make art for the same reasons, you and I. Pain that driving force, but we show it in different ways. You smile and dance to deal with it. I cry and paint to express it. Your heart glows with hope and with a cracked soul, you bleed light. I knew that I was talking with a fellow goddess. And so we talked until sunrise. And as you left, all I could think to myself was Josephine Baker y Frida Kahlo just sounds right. Um, that piece was a persona poem, uh, taking the persona of Frida Kahlo. Um, there's actual history and writings about how Josephine Baker and Frida Kahlo were in a relationship, they in a sapphic relationship. And um, both of them are some incredible artists that I've looked up to, not only as women of color, but as a bisexual. And so seeing something so close to myself 
reflected in the past in that way is so powerful. And so to me, these queer stories from history that aren't told are so powerful and intricate and how they're hidden. And a lot of stories, you have to dig it up to even find out these things. But there's so much beauty and depth to it. Yeah, that poem is amazing. Congratulations on your gold key. That's so, that's amazing for you. And yeah, it's honestly amazing what we can learn from the past. Um, so yes, again, thank you for sharing that with us. That was beautiful. Do you want to give a shout out or thank anyone that, you know, has raised you to be this person that you are? Yes. Um, seeing how this has become, I guess, very feminine centric uh, conversation today, I very much like to point out my mother and my grandmother. They are two of the strongest women I know. And they've gone through a lot, but they've shown me not only how to keep my own strength, but how to, even when people hurt you, to stay kind, how to, when someone hurts you, instead of wanting to hurt them back, try and understand why they hurt you if they're hurting and understand there are no villains and there are no saints. Everyone deserves to be understood. That doesn't take away their actions, that doesn't take away their responsibility, but there's a reason that hurt people hurt people. And there's no one better that's taught that to me than my mother and my grandmother. Yeah, I think that's a very important and amazing lesson that, you know, everyone should understand. So thank you. And so where can people find out about you and your work? You can find out about me um, on Facebook and Instagram. Both of them are the same. It's at Burkinita, B-U-R-Q-U-E-N-I-T-A, 505. And I post my events and everything on Facebook, as well as our woke page for poetry reading. Those are probably going to be the best places to find me. Great. And so is there anything else you would like to add? Like you can share some more poetry, tell us more about yourself, like whatever you want to add. This first piece um, I'd like to preface. Uh, it does deal with some extremely strong issues. Uh, this poem was written about the 11 women that were found buried on the West Mesa. And all of them were sex workers and their story has only been told through documentaries. To me, these women's story needs to be told. Um, the title of this piece is 11. Help save our own of women and community into a new culture we must evolve. 
Never forget these lives that were stolen. Take a stand, let us become one within each generation. And the cycle will continue taken advantage of. Women will continue to be disrespected if we don't stand for ourselves now, or we can do what they want us to do and pretend this never happened. We can gather all of our sisters like a pack of lobas, howl at the moon and make it clear that we are not going to stay silent. So now, we have a choice of no value. Their lives have become our women are dying. Why did society just ignore these women? The petroglyphs, their only protection, buried near the prayers written by rock. Buried near the prayers written in rock by ancestors. Forgotten. The dust on shelves is the dust of their bodies, consumed by society's wrath, all gone, all turned away, all women of color. Jamie, 15. Monica, 22. Victoria, 26. Virginia, 24. Cecilia, 15, Cinnamon, 32, Doreen, 24, Julie, 24, Veronica, 28, Evelyn, 27, Michelle, 22. Michelle's unborn baby, four months in utero. Because of us, they were women with nowhere to go. We were the ones that buried them. They fell into the hole that society dug. They were once innocent children that didn't fit in. Even though it is us that forced them into this life again and again and again, when these people vanish, why do we look the other way? They were Burke's most vulnerable. All around them, it crumbled on top shivering in something that is broken, making them hide in a broken society, forcing them into an idea that is broken. How did we let this happen? Because of the life they were forced to live, 11 women had their breath stolen away, 11 souls forgotten by Burke, 11 women buried on the West Mesa. Thank you. That that one was that one really hit home for me because I remember finding out about those 11 women and I was kind of I was like confused, kind of distraught and like at this community that I loved and called home my entire life, like how something so tragic could happen and so so like disgusting, you know? So I that was amazing and thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you. I have one more piece. Uh, the title of this piece is Empath. I am a hall of echoes. Everyone makes sounds. When someone is screaming, I re re repeat. The energy they're sending out needs to be given back even when it hurts me. 
even when I'm scared, they need me. They need my energy to help them fade out. But I repeat till I have more. But I repeat till they have more than they need. And I am left with the vibrations of their voice vibrant. I am the buzzing speaker booming bellows one too many times, though I heal. If I deal with my own wish for a while, but you need me, they need me. I'm not okay. Need support. So I'm here to release your pain. I'll listen. I'm here. Don't worry. You'll be okay. Take this energy. Don't worry. I have more. I'm here with more and more till I'm empty. And I need you to refill this reservoir of empathy. Then maybe I. Wow, that was very beautiful. And you talking about the gift of being an empath. Um, your all the emotions in that poem were really beautiful. You really painted like an amazing picture with your words. And I mean, as you've done with all of these poems. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's very inspiring to me as a young Chicana to see someone like you, like you're just a little bit older than me, but just to see other Chicana youth in my own community doing amazing things, being amazing people, just being who they are, like your message about just being who you are and kind of don't let anyone take that from you. It's really beautiful and inspiring. I think not just to me, but just to like all New Mexican youth, New Mexican Chicana youth, like young girls. And so I just want to thank you just for like being you and doing so much for the community. And I mean, your poetry is amazing. Like I said before, I'm like not good at poetry at all. I'm not a poetic person, but yours is amazing. And I love listening to poetry. And in school right now, we're kind of like on our poetry unit. So thank you for like giving me kind of inspiration. I'll never be as good as a poet as you are, but you know, I can try my best. So just thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, honestly, I think any, you can be just as good of a poet as I am, if not better. Poetry, what's important about it is expressing yourself, expressing your corazón. Anything can be written into poetry. Anything, if you write it and you mean it, that's poetry. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sarita, for sharing such beautiful, moving poetry. You've captured both the beauty and tragedy of our state in such a captivating way. Thank you for your writing and sharing the stories that you hold so close. Sarita, thank you so much for blessing us with your powerful poetry. As we mentioned at the beginning of the program, La Burkenita is currently having some health issues. So her good friends, community members, Mercedes Holtry and Brandy Montaño, join us this evening to share upcoming events to support Sarita and the Gonzalez family during these difficult times. 
La Burquenita is a second generation poet in our community as her father, Manuel Gonzalez, is the third poet laureate of Albuquerque. A performance poet who began his career in the poetry slam, Manuel has dedicated so much of his time to bring poetry alive in others through his teachings. So now we get to stand up for Sarita and her family. Here is my co-host, Barbara Ramirez, speaking with Mercedes Holtry and Brandy Montano. This is Barbara Ramirez with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Mercedes Holtry, Poetry Program Director at Warehouse 508 and Community Poeta, and Community Member Brandy Montano. Mercedes and Brandy, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. us. Of course, uh, please tell us more about yourself, and let's start with you, Mercedes. Well, hello, my name is Mercedes Holtry. I am a Albuquerque poeta. I'm a Chicana, born and raised here in Albuquerque, specifically in the Barrio Old Town. Um, I do a number of different things, but my main title right now is I'm the poetry program director at Warehouse 508. So we cultivate youth poetry workshops in different high schools and middle schools, charter schools, for young people to uh, have an outlet to express themselves. And then, you know, we give them opportunities to indulge in the poetry community here in Albuquerque. So that's kind of a little bit about what I do. I do lots of things, but that's kind of like the main thing. Thank you, Mercedes. Brandy? Hello, everyone. My name is Brandy Montano. Um, I'm a South Valley resident, both generationally and historically. Uh, so I love my city and I love my hood and I love uh, all the gente that are around. So. I'm pretty active in the community. Um, I, I do poetry, but I wouldn't call myself a poet. Um, I wear a lot of hats. I love community and I love connecting folks in community. So I do a lot of that. Thank you so much, Brandy. And thank you both for being here with us. Um, Mercedes, would you please tell us more about the poetry fundraiser for Sarita Sol Gonzalez? Yes, I would love to. So the ABQ Unidos Youth Poetry Open Mic uh, is a monthly show. Actually, we do it monthly. We're starting to get back into our in-person events um, post-COVID. And this is our on our monthly schedule, but hearing the news about Sarita, we decided as uh, a group at our staff meeting at 508 that Manny being one of our most dedicated instructors and Sarita, one of our most talented youth, uh, dedicated youth that has always supported 508, we wanted to dedicate this show specifically to helping them raise funds uh, with for the medical expenses in this upcoming um, hardship in this journey that they're going to have to face with uh, Sarita's health. And so we really just wanted to be there as a support system for them, offer the space to, of course, any youth that would love to come on the mic and express their story and their poems and also invite some of the mentors that have seen and witnessed Sarita grow. And so there's a lot of poets on this showcase list that are uh, renowned award-winning poets that we hope will get people through the door to hear some amazing poems. And the important thing is that we're raising the money so um, that, you know, that people can pack the house and all those proceeds will go to um, our family, the Gonzalez family, Manny and Nikki and Sarita. And uh, some of these poets are awesome, and I really hope people will come um, to watch them do their thing. It's going to be hosted by Jasmine Cuffey, 
She's an amazing poeta here in Albuquerque, and she'll be hosting the show. Um, others include our New Mexico Poet Laureate, Levi Romero, uh, I'm a Star Productions, Carlos Contreras, the Albuquerque Poet Emeritus, uh, Hakeem Bellamy, myself, Ana Martinez, who is just like a mystical goddess of the community, Bianca Sanchez, who's uh, duels as a mural artist and a poet, jack of all trades, um, and one of our most respected elders, Maria Leyva. So there's going to be a really good lineup of poets spitting on the mic that night. And then the youth are always fire. It's always just like an amazing opportunity to hear the youth do their thing on the mic because the young voices are the future. And so when they get on the mic, it's so inspiring to hear young people um, articulate themselves in such a beautiful and like artistic way in a way that you don't really expect unless you work with these kids every day. And so if you're an audience member, you can expect to be just wowed and, and mesmerized by the words that you're gonna hear on stage. Uh, there will be a t-shirt fundraiser as well a t-shirt designed especially for Sarita. There's going to be some lines of her poem on the shirt and those proceeds will go to the familia as well. And there's going to be a snack bar, just some basic little snacks for the evening. Um, but again, all proceeds will go to Sarita and family. And so um, we're really hoping to get a really good crowd March 18th at Warehouse 508. We're located at 508 First Street Northwest on the cor corner of First and Roma. Uh, we're a big warehouse. You can't miss us. We have a bunch of beautiful murals on our walls. And we start at 6.30, roughly going to end around 9, 8.30, hopefully, if it's a smooth running show. And we'd love to see everyone there, uh, especially anyone and everyone that has seen Sarita do her magic on stage and who has connected with uh, Manny and Sarita and Nikki. Thank you so much for sharing that, Mercedes. And Thank you for showing up for the Gonzalez family. Um, Brandy, what are some of the other events that are happening to support Sarita Sol Gonzalez and su familia? Okay, so we're gonna bring in the community from all different directions. That's why we're having a variety of events. So we're having the youth poetry on the 18th. Uh, we're also doing an online auction. So we're going to set up an online auction situation where folks from the community are donating items. And we've already got a bunch of stuff. We've got like body work um, from Bruja Rising, which is Monica Salazar. I got my homeboy Enrique. He does leather tooled work. He's going to put up a big picture he did of George Floyd. It's gorgeous. Um, we have various books, um, both from poet laureates. We've got my homegirl Bernadine Hernandez. She's a prophet at UNM. She just wrote a book called Border Bodies. She's gonna donate in. We've got poets like Matthew Brown, Hakeem Bellamy is gonna donate. Uh, donations are gonna trickle in and we wanna ask anybody who's involved in art or music or anything who has something to donate to please reach out to us. Uh, we're gonna run it like a, you know, like an eBay style thing. Uh, uh, some of the items will be uh, in, a, in an ongoing bidding situation and we'll have some that you can just buy now. You just click and you buy it right up, you know, just right straight off the bat. All of the proceeds from that are going to go directly to the family. Um, so we're doing the online um, auction. We're going to do the food sale at Swap. Again, if you have a signature dish, you want to bake, you want to cook, you have something that you know that you cook is amazing and you want to help and sell, please connect with us and we'll pipe you into how to get involved uh, in the food sale, which will be um, kind of by Swap. It's, yeah, 10th and Park and there's a little park right there and we'll just get down there and have community there. Um, buy some food. 
which is good because we all we all we all love food. <laughs> um, as far as um, as the 30th, we're going to throw um, basically a big community pachanga at Los Jardines Institute, which is um, a pillar in the South Valley. That's where I got my farming start. Um, that's uh, Sofia Martinez and Richard Moore, and they're pillars of the community uh, since forever. <laughs> they're, men they're mentors of mine, and I love them both very much. I reached out right away to see if they would host, and they said yes right away. Uh, the abueladas on that, they were happy to help. So we're gonna have this there. I've already secured some live music. I've got a DJ going, uh, DJ3 Deuce Luce, uh, which is Lucy Garcia. She's helping out in a couple of different ways. I've got poets lined up. I've got, you know, Sarah Tafoya's back in Burke. She's gonna come show down. Yes. Um, I got just a bunch of different people and I'm still booking. So if you play music, you do poetry, any kind of art you want to contribute, please get in contact and we'll get you on the stage for that day. You don't have to be a big band if you just want to get up there and, you know, get down however you get down. Um, that's good. So just think like backyard, you know, boogie barbecue type of vibe. I'm going to see if I can get different people to like bring their grills, um, you know, show up and barbecue and all of the sales, all of the proceeds that come through for that night. Or, or that day will be direct to the family also. So live music, poetry, and we get some artists in there. And it's just gonna be, you know, a big community gathering to show how much we love this family and love each other. And it should be a good time. Thank you so much for sharing, Brandy. That sounds great. Where can people find more information about the event and ticket information in general? Uh, there's a couple of places that you can find information. The first I'm gonna direct people to is warehouse508.org. That's our website. All of our events are found on that page. And then if you are on social media, if you have a Facebook, we do have a Facebook page. Again, we are Warehouse 508, not to be mistaken with Warehouse 505, because that happens a lot. Um, we're Warehouse 508, and we have the event page on Facebook specifically, along with the flyer and the description of the event on Facebook. We also have our Instagram. We are 508 by NMX on Instagram. And then we're also posting information about the event on our Burke Revolt Poetry Slam website, um, which is another little nonprofit project that we run as a community. So check out all those websites, social media pages for more information regarding the event on March 18th and the follow-up fundraisers that are coming up in April. Thank you both for being with us this evening. For Generation Justice, I'm Barbara Ramirez. Thank you, Mercedes and Brandy, for helping Sarita and her family the way that you are. And thank you for letting our community know what we can do to help as well. It is always important to help our community members during their times of need. If you're not able to attend any of the events, but you would still like to contribute, there is a GoFundMe for La Burkenita. You can make a donation by visiting GoFundMe.com and searching Sarita and Family Support Fund. Sarita and Familia Gonzalez, we are here for you, and we hope you heal soon, Sarita. Have you heard of the UNM Women's Research Center? In 1972, a collective of faculty, graduate students, and community members contributed to funding the UNM Women's Research Center. 
Since then, they have continued to educate, support, and provide a safe space for women on campus. This evening, Anya McCarthy, Interim Director, and Caitlin Hankey, Program Specialist at the UNM Women's Resource Center, share more about their mission and inform us of the resources they offer. Now, DJ member Madumita Santana speaks with Anya McCarthy and Caitlin Henke. This is Madumita Santanam with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Anya McCarthy and Caitlin Henke, co-directors of the UNM's Women Resource Center. Anya and Caitlin, welcome to Generation Justice. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Of course, of course. Please tell us more about yourselves and about UNM's Women Resource Center. We'll start with Caitlin. Okay. Um, I'm a, a part-time staff, a program specialist at the Women's Resource Center, and I've been there for about seven years, I think. Um, and, and really love, love the center. It's been... Um, definitely obviously a place of employment but when I was a student I used it as like my home base and then when I first became a staff member I used the center to navigate as a new parent and that's where I went for lactation support and then have been really happy to join the team and mostly uh, work primarily as a student advocate in the center. Thank you for sharing that. Anya? Yeah, hi, great to be here with you. And Caitlin is maybe inclined to sell herself short just a little bit. She's done pretty much every job at the center over the years. And um, I've learned a lot from her. And so my role for the past year, and I'm only in my second year here, is has been as a confidential advocate for students on this campus, as well as um, the medical school campus. And so I'm stepping into the role of interim director this month of March, which is our uh, Women's History Month. And I've experienced the center to be a really welcoming place, um, welcoming of people of all genders and supporting a lot of student-led initiatives. And we, we always aspire to be and have been over the years, I think. Um, and this is our 50th year, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, We've always tried to be an incubator for student projects and grassroots initiatives that support um, women and survivors of uh, domestic violence and sexual assault in our broader Albuquerque community too. So it's I've learned a ton being connected to this whole network of people kind of advocating for gender justice here. Thank you for sharing that and about the Resource Center. I really appreciate it. I got to learn more about it. Um, so Anya, can you tell us more about Women's History Month and its origin? Yeah, you know, I had to look this up. This wasn't a history that I knew. Um, but from what I learned, it started as a single day and then grew to a week and then a month. And I think um, President Jimmy Carter was the one that made it official for women who were, um, you know, second wave feminists who were advocating for this visibility um, at that time. Um, it was in that same era that our center was started. Thank you for sharing about some of the history. I actually, even though like I go to UNM, I didn't actually know much about it. So thank you. Um, Caitlin, why is it important that Women's History Month is still celebrated in 2022? 
Mm. Uh, well, I think it's always important to know sort of the contributions of women and leaders that have come before us. And oftentimes, I feel like every Women's History Month, when our center and other centers highlight history of contributions and strengths and things that we sort of aim to replicate and continue are shared, I'm always so surprised that there's still people that I have never heard of and was you know, never exposed to before. Um, so it's definitely valuable 2022. And I think it's going to remain relevant forever. For us, the month sometimes is a little bit about history. And also it allows us to introduce people to what we're doing right now. And sometimes it's just a, that's a call into the center. Like maybe you come in for an activity that we have sort of featured for Women's History Month, but it becomes about the, the now for you. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I, for Anya, what are some of the challenges that women at UNM are facing? I think one of the things that we continue to see is a need for um, healing and trauma support because of the ongoing sort of gender-based violence that happens, unfortunately, in this community and every community. Um, so we that ends up being a big part of what we do. And we love doing other things as well, but there's always kind of a need for it. Um, so, you know, there's a need for uh, more better education about consent, I think, for all of us to learn to set boundaries and to respect boundaries, right? Um, when it comes to uh, sexual encounters and all kinds of encounters. So um, there's still a lot of of that type of abuse that we see women facing. But in addition to that, uh, student parents need a lot of support. Caitlin can speak better to that. Um, but we, we've seen, you know, just during the pandemic, so many of the gains that women have made in the workplace have been lost um, because they're often the ones pulling, you know, second shifts and additional shifts to do childcare and homeschooling and um, all the sacrifices that have been needed during this time. So, you know, before the pandemic, we weren't paid equally or represented equally across many fields. And then that problem has gotten even worse and exacerbated by the challenges we're still living through. So I know women at UNM are feeling that burnout and, um, you know, among students, among staff, among faculty, everyone. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that and about some of the challenges that women are facing. I was wondering if, Caitlin, you might want to add anything about student parents. Student parents, is, it's a huge demographic of students on campus that we've never really been able to accurately capture the number, but it's a huge challenge because we don't have enough childcare to support. We don't have sort of that academic structure that is often supportive of parents, even things like getting academic advisement or bringing your kids to campus isn't always accessible. So I feel like one of the ways that we've really, really leaned in, especially in the last five years, is to really support student parents. We have a single parent scholarship that we put out this month that is available for people now. Um, we also operate the lactation stations all over campus and there's about 28 of them right now. And then we just try to make the space really accessible to 
student parents and partner with other agencies on campus, including the Children's Campus, to put on some accessible and interesting programs to sort of engage that population, because a lot of times I think they feel forgotten and really invisible. Absolutely. Thank you for also sharing about the scholarships. I had no idea about them, so thank you for educating me about that. Would either one of you want to share about some of the resources and services that you offer and where can people learn more about it? I think we have a really good social media um, presence. So we're just the Women's Resource Center on UNM, UNM is Women's Resource Center. And then our website is women.unm.edu. Um, we offer a variety of different programmings and events throughout the year, and those change and they really you know, are really based on the students that we have in leadership at the time. So I wouldn't even be able to say like, there's ones that always look the same. So I love that because it's always changing and always new. We have a really great mentorship program that I really like that is pairing students who are just coming onto campus with students who have been on the campus for a couple of years. And they're in a dyad partnership, looking at um, sort of supporting one another. And then as a cohort, they really are working to make an impact on campus and do some service learning and sort of success of the entire cohort. That's called our impact group. Um, we're one of the only uh, confidential reporting sites and advocacy places on campus where students can go and find out about reporting options if um, something bad has happened or something is happening to a friend and they need resources. We can connect them with our counseling program, connect them with social workers, connect them with community resources, um, do some sort of academic support and navigation. We have a Violence Against Women grant that has done a lot of campus work across the campus and involves a lot of student leadership, um, our lactation support, um, reprinting. <laughs> we have a great computer lab. I really believe it's the only family-friendly computer pod on campus. Like you can bring your kids and it's fine if they're sort of running around and being kids. Um, and free printing is hard to find on campus. The whole space is really accessible to students in terms of what they can get free printing, coffee, tea, menstrual products, condoms, um, education materials, just tons of resources. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that. I think it's so important that we as a society and community know all of this. So thank you so much. Um, is there anything else that you would both like to add before we end today? I would just like to invite you since you're on campus and really any of your listeners to come in and, you know, happy to give you a tour of the center. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I look forward to it. Um, thank you, Caitlin and Anya, for being here today and speaking with me about um, the services that the Women's Center provides and about Women's History Month. I got to learn so much about it. Um, so thank you so much for educating me, and I truly appreciate talking to you both. For Generation Justice, I'm Madhumita Santanam. Thank you, Anya and Caitlin, for sharing so much about the work you do and the resources available at the Women's Resource Center. As a UNM student myself, there was a lot that I didn't know was offered. And it's great to learn more about my community and what is offered to both me and my peers. Our guests, Anya McCarthy and Caitlin Henke, wanted to share this next song with you. Here is Quiet by Mill. 
enjoyed this hour of poetry and community. We'd like to thank our guests Sarita Sol Gonzalez, Mercedes Holtry and Brandy Montaño, and Anya McCarthy and Caitlin Henke from the UNM Women's Resource Center. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Roberto Rayel, with production assistance from Barbara Ramirez and Angel Baker-Guillen. And thank you to our interviewers, Saviana Moya, Malumita Santanum, and Barbara Ramirez. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We are also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. I'm Barbara Ramirez. And I'm Ariana Cordova. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope to see you next weekend. <laughs>